Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Derek. I'm Craig. And this is Tank. Up this week, we are going to be talking about some uh, medical applications of AI in the future, what the implications of that is, uh, the government and the massive WannaCry ransomware attack, and is clickbait deception. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Craig, which one of those is your topic? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it'd be good to just have a quick chat about a video I came across online this morning, actually, that, that was uh, from Google I.O., uh, which I believe has taken place this week, just this week gone. Um, mm-hmm. So it's pretty new. Um, it's basically a 45-minute panel discussion with a whole bunch of high-powered tech women um, who I think they'll work for Google in some capacity, but in different areas and um, whatever. And they sound like they've got really interesting um experience and and, um, careers and stuff that they've been working on. But the video is called Past, Present and Future of AI slash Machine Learning. Um, And I I watched most of it. I haven't finished it, but I watched a fair chunk of it and um, kind of came to this section around the middle, um, around the 20-minute mark where um, a lady called Daphne is asked a question. Daphne works for Calico and she's uh, the lady who's sort of chairing the panel um, says, so Daphne, you know, why does Calico um, interested in having the top molecular biologists and top machine learning researchers in, you know, scientists um, working in the same place? What's the benefits of that? What are you working towards kind of thing? Um, and then Daphne goes on to explain that, that one of their key projects is to understand aging. And so she, she starts talking about, um, you know, wanting to, I guess, in some ways, a noble cause of wanting people to help um, to help people live uh, longer and happier and healthier lives. Um, uh, but then she she sort of made some comments just in her answer, that, and these are all very intelligent people. I'm not knocking that at all, but um, she made some comments that just kind of made me go, "Huh? Like really? Um, that you know? It seems like in some ways the the tech um, industry, at least in this area, is kind of um, a little bit sort of uh, the thinking seems a little bit." strange to me um she made the comment that uh, the risk of disease after the age of 40 uh, increases exponentially and then she said and no one knows why um and then i kind of went really so no one knows like the second law of thermodynamics and the fact that things break down and decay and um and i guess from a christian worldview i was thinking you know we have a reason for that you know we we know that um this world is is tainted by sin and all that kind of thing um, but she, but it seems like she's just trying to work out or they, they are trying to work out how can we sort of overcome that problem even though we don't know what's causing it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the pattern we've observed that things do have problems and diseases come in and every single disease that there is basically gets a higher chance when you get over a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she basically, the, the thing that I found really interesting was she kept talking for a bit and she started talking about the amount of um, data. I'm going to call it data. You guys can call it data. Um, that, it's all good. It's all that, good. I love that, data. <laughs> data that we um, take in now is, is I guess, more than ever before. So, we've got uh, – there's crazy imaging technology that can pick up on, you know, fa- facial recognition and different objects and stuff like that. And then you've got your wearable technology that's tracking people's movements and all that sort of thing and health statistics and um, – 
whole bunch of different things. So we're getting data from all these different places. We've got more data than we've ever had before. Um, but she's saying that um, no one can possibly synthesize all the data that we're collecting. No one can actually make sense of it because there's just so much of it. Um, and so she made this comment about what we need is the best of um, the best of big data and the best of human intuition is basically what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of sounded to me like the claim that was being made was if we have um, access to a whole stack of data about how humans behave and how their bodies operate, and we just have some really strong intuition we'll be able to solve the major problem of humanity, which is that we get old and die. Um, and I guess I found that to be a, a strange... So, she wasn't saying that we'll live indefinitely, to be fair. Mm-hmm. She was just saying they want to prolong life significantly. Um, they used an example of a worm that's 30, 30 to 50% longer life if they change a particular gene or something like that. Um, but, um, yeah, I just, I just kind of thought that was an interesting... Uh, an interesting idea that, you know, if we combine scientists' intuition with data collection, we'll be able to solve this fundamental um, fact of human life, I guess, mm-hmm. um, which, again, we have an answer for. We have a, you know, we have a reason for that. And we have someone who does understand all the data and does understand how the body works. Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, yeah, what do you guys think? Like, you know, do you have any thoughts about this kind of thing? Is this one of those situations where... um tech is actually doing stuff that's that's really good and as Christians we should maybe just celebrate it because they, they're actually just trying to improve people's lives or is this kind of an arrogance thing that we're kind of going, you know, we've got all the information, we just need to figure out the final piece in the process of how we can sort of make best use of it and then we'll be able to conquer this age-old problem. Excuse the pun. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the, well, I found this, I found this fascinating because really the, the question of why do we get old and die is kind of one of those things that I assume, I assume like probably people, uh, thought about, uh, like I think about like the way people probably assumed about gravity before gravity was like discovered. Like this is actually a thing that we can measure possibly like this is the, this is the big problem to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I find, um, I'm, I, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm for it at a, at a surface level, um, to, uh, I, I don't see arrogance in this. I think I find, I see people who are fascinated about how the body works and how to mm-hmm. make technology bend to their will to, you know, be able to make the human experience better, um, is ultimately is a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, um, so, uh, that's, that's my thoughts. Of course, I would say the same about, uh, CRISPR probably, uh, but we would mm. differ in opinion on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, cause they're talking here about like anal- analyzing genes and like we, you know, really like getting a super detailed map of how the, how the body works using AI and human intuition. And, um, so, you know, there's that aspect to it. There is a bit of a potential overlap with CRISPR, not specifically CRISPR, but the thing I mentioned about the worm, they found a particular worm which 
if they, they she said a single gene mutation so i think they've targeted a particular gene in this worm mm-hmm. they've intentionally mutated that gene so they've intentionally modified it mm-hmm. and then they've found that its life is prolonged by 30 to 50 percent mm-hmm. um so there is i guess a bit of a that sort of playing with the bu- basic building blocks of of life yep, um, yep aspect to it but yeah i'm not i'm not sort of I'm not shutting it down. I just mm-hmm. thought it was an interesting way for such a, such intelligent people to be talking about this problem mm-hmm. that, you know, that if we just think harder about it now that we've got all the data and get the right people on the job, then we'll actually be able to solve the problem. I actually wonder whether it's a problem that can be solved. I think it's I think it's actually the way that, you know, God has set up the world to work since the fall, I guess, that, that this is a consequence of the fall that things will decay and break down and we're not designed to live forever, but... Tank, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with I'm with Derek. I think if it if they were to say, uh, I think we can live forever, uh, that would be different. You know, like that would yeah, be yeah. going against what God has said. The reason for death is sin, and to say we could live forever, they're saying they can overcome sin, which only Jesus um, yep. uh, overcomes sin and death. Um, but yeah, they're just saying they want to keep us healthier longer, um, and that's what all doctors are trying to do. So I'm, I'm for it. Uh, I think it would be. I hope they succeed. Cool. It'll be interesting to see what happens from Calico. Like uh, I'll be interested to see what Calico's actual outcome from this is. Like if they can produce a, a product or something. Like is it is is it medication that mm. that they finally figure out that will assist in this area? Because I'm I'm not totally against it. Like I said, mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting project. Um, it, I just yeah, I just found some of the discussion of. Um, I guess it seems like a, a bit of an oversimplification to me to be able to actually solve the problem in the way they're talking about. But, hey, I guess anything's possible. I think it'd be cool if they figured out, like, you know, at one point in our lives, it made, or like one point in humanity, it would make sense that we would have lived forever. But then it appears like some mysterious thing happened <laughs> and it set off like, this chain of events that there's no way we can reverse. I don't know. That'd be pretty cool if they could scientifically show that something like that happened and and maybe they can with enough digging and research the the thing that i find fascinating about like technology recently like in the last five ten years probably more like five years is really like a, a high level of medical application for stuff like things like wearables being more like apple has really gotten into caring about medical stuff with you know incorporating like um uh like surveys and like in in like that are compatible at the at the OS level with healthkit and like and their and their watch and Google's doing weird AI stuff with analyzing you know uh with analyzing medical things over there uh, the it's kind of like a <laughs> oh technology's hitting real world now like it's it's cool yeah. it's cool stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting and the rest of the video had some interesting stuff. There was, like Tank just said, you know, it'd be interesting if they decided that there was or they came up with some thing that all of a sudden people started dying and whatever in history. <laughs> she, yeah. One of the other ladies did talk about all of a sudden there was this, there was like hardly any species of animals and there was this massive explosion. There was all these different types of animals and, you know, we don't really know why but there's this theory about how that happened and I'm like, uh, well, there's probably a few explanations <laughs> for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, interesting. Keep keep an eye on that space, I guess, what Google might be doing with AI and health and whatever. It looks like it's 
an interesting area. Yeah. So, Derek, what are you going to talk about this week? Well, I'm going to talk about the WannaCry ransomware attack. So, for those of you on Windows, you may have paid more attention about this than uh, than some of us Mac users, because this would be a vulnerability, I believe, in Windows XP that was exploited uh, to install a mess of ransomware um, that you know does the thing of encrypting your hard drive and saying, hey, you can't access this until you pay us so much in Bitcoin and, and, and that sort of thing. And this spread fast. Like, this spread crazy fast. Uh, I think, so, in this article I'm reading on Gizmodo, it's it spread to more than 70,000 machines around the world in a matter of hours. Um, uh, including, like, hospitals, like... Uh, a telecom in Spain, FedEx's offices in the United Kingdom, like, uh, like this, this goes down to like a server level and infects like all the computers that connect to it. Um, mm. So, and and this was enough that uh, Mar- Microsoft actually issued a patch to Windows XP after it's been you know end of life for however many years. Um, no, wait, never mind. Windows XP is just the operating system that will never officially die. <laughs> Actually, I was wrong about that. This was a security patch that Microsoft released two months ago, and if you hadn't updated it, you know, for, since back then, then this was this was a thing. Um, but the interesting thing about this was that this was enabled via a piece of code developed by the National Security Agency, or the NSA here in America, um, and it was stolen from the NSA and then therefore you, and then used for criminal, uh, activities. Um, this, this harkens, this, this take, takes me back to when, uh, the NSA or when the FBI was trying to get Apple to create a backdoor into their OS and being like, hey, it's okay. You can make a backdoor only for the good guys, and and that'll be perfectly fine, right? And it's like this is this is a classic, just a a classic incident of no, this is why we don't do that. Anyway, I was wondering what your guys' <laughs> thoughts on this are. If the government should be allowed to hang on to um, vulnerabilities like this, um, or request vulnerabilities like this, and if so, or if not, you know, one or the other, like what the differences are. Well, I kind of have a, have an underformed opinion. Okay. Um, All right. Which may also be an underinformed opinion, but we'll we'll soon find out. All right. Let's try. So, so <laughs> I, um uh, my initial thoughts, I haven't spent long thinking about this, but my initial thoughts would be if a government finds a I mean, ultimately I think this is going to come back to that the same sort of thing that we discussed when way, way, way back at the start of the podcast, mm-hmm. um, you know, version one when we were talking about things like uh drones and um privacy laws and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think we were talking about censorship and all sorts of things and you know, I think I said back at that stage that ultimately it comes down to I don't think there's a perfect scenario in terms of privacy that works for everyone. I think some people want really, really high security um, and they want everything to be really private. Other people want to, just want to know that they're safe and they're protected. Mm-hmm. And for that to happen, sometimes the policing authorities and the government need to know things that it would be nice if they didn't have to know, but they have to know them in order to keep people safe. Right. Um, 
And so, I think this is another one of those things. And me personally, like I don't, um, because I'm not a criminal, I'm not doing anything dodgy, I'm not, um, you know, secretly out um, doing things behind my family's back and all sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have a lot to hide. I mean, I've got bank accounts, sure. Right. You know, I've, I've, got, I've got some stuff I want to keep private, but um, I would sort of err on the side of let the government do what they need to do to um, protect the people. But I also know that, that governments are really dodgy in general. Like, <laughs> human governments involve humans and therefore they're really broken entities. And so, that's where I think the issue comes in. You know, how do you know that you can trust the government to not use them exploitatively rather than just for, you know, um, solving a problem or solving a crime or or um, that kind of thing. That I think that's, it's almost like you need like a regulatory body to regulate the government's use of these things. But mm-hmm. then- it's like the chicken and the egg. Like, yeah. how does that actually work? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious about um, really what even happened with um, like the story behind why did the NSA develop this? You know, like maybe they had, I, I'm sure they had some good reason. Maybe it wasn't just like, hey, I wonder if we can hack into everybody in the world's <laughs> Windows <laughs> PC, uh, and then not tell anyone. Because uh, just kind of looking mm-hmm. at it, like maybe NSA developed it. Maybe they had good reason. Um, like I'm sure in their mind it was good reason. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I look at like, so it was leaked April 14th, which was one month ago, and this was used a week ago. But also mm-hmm. Microsoft had a security patch released for this two months ago. Mm-hmm. So like, I wonder if like I wonder how Microsoft figured it out. You know, I bet they don't have NSA level people just sitting there trying to figure out security bugs. Maybe they do. But my thought is. What if NSA was like, hey, we found this, we exploited it, we used it for our purposes, now you should probably fix it so nobody else does the same thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I just wonder if what the what the story, what the full story behind it is that we don't know that maybe NSA wasn't being as shady as they might seem in mm-hmm. this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but think... Hang on, so the NSA didn't create WannaCry, right? But WannaCry used an yes. exploit that was developed by the NSA. Yes, I think that's how how it went. I'm not an I'm not yeah. an infosec ex- expert at by any means, but that seems to be the way that that happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds like from the article I'm reading, which is just Wikipedia, so you know, could be wrong, <laughs> but um Yeah, I guess we need to make sure we don't put blame entirely in the wrong spot. Uh-huh. Right. Well, and and I'm so where I come from is I think I think I'm on the side of it is the government's right to try to exploit as much as they can for the purposes of national security. And mm-hmm. it is and that's their race to run, but they can't ask for help from private companies like that seems like a yep. step too far. Right. That makes sense. So, like, in in the in the realm of um, of of cyber of the cyber, um, <laughs> the like it's 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 a no man's land. Like it, everyone everyone for themselves, and the smartest person wins. The person who's the sneakiest around, you know, the, as many backdoors wins. And the government has to be exactly that when they're trying to combat this sort of thing. And um, having them have to give these exploits to the companies, I think, is not is n- is a disadvantage for for the government, and not one that I think is wise. But 
I think asking for a backdoor is probably it's like just buck up and like actually like do do some of the work yourself, right? Um, Did you say buck up like with a B? Yeah. Mm. Okay, good. We won't have to. <laughs> Maybe this is just a really convoluted way of of just overall discouraging people from using older versions of Windows because the people who <laughs> release WannaCry. It's a conspiracy. Because the people who release WannaCry really, really hate Internet Explorer. <laughs> you know, six, seven, eight. That's probably what it was. That that's that would probably be my motivation behind it, but, you know. Yeah. If that's what it is, then I don't blame them. All the money <laughs> they made will, will recycle into fighting Internet Explorer yeah. more. <laughs> exactly. It's really just a charity, you guys. Uh, so that's my topic for the week forced charity giving (laughs) our sponsor this week is missionalware your reformed theology gift shop missionalware designs fun and useful things to broadcast your faith and display your reformed nerdery for the world to see the designs they have are really beautiful with creeds, quotes, and faces of various reformers available for printing across a variety of items, including clothing like t-shirts and hats. They've got journals, drinkware like beer glasses and insulated tumblers. They've got beautiful posters and much more. They actually just recently announced cutting boards, especially for Mother's Day with their, their really nice. They've got, they're made out of walnut wood. Uh, they're laser engraved with the various designs, um, and they are actually a really good price. I was comparing to other walnut uh, cutting boards across the web, and they're they're very reasonable. Um, so you can go check that out for you know Father's Day is coming up too. There are many fathers out there who love to cook, so you might just want to get get them a cutting board for Father's Day. Um, really nice, very professionally done. Missionalware has been doing their thing for over six years, and they've grown an impressive library of designs and items that will appeal to any theologian, whether you're just now stepping into deeper waters or whether you've been a theology nerd for years. Check them out at missionalware.com to get your lifestyle on mission to the glory of God. And thanks to them for sponsoring Tech Reformation. Uh, Tank, what would you like to talk about? Yes, this week I brought the article about clickbait. Um, so Facebook, um, in its war on, um, bad things, culturally defined bad things popping up on the Facebook feed, um, is, uh, continuing to, uh, strengthen its algorithms and stuffs. Um, yeah. And so this article was about how it's trying to get rid of clickbait. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it got in 10 different language. It got tons of researchers with, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of articles, I think. Um, and they just basically read article headlines and tried to determine, all right, what makes, what headlines imply it's going to be clickbait? And they said, of course, there will likely be some mistakes. Um, but through all that research, they tried to pick out all the different titles like, um, you will, You'll be so surprised by what you see this woman tripped on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just those things. Um, and so I thought that was cool. Uh, just yeah. Getting rid of clickbait. Uh, but one mm-hmm. thing that really interested me is they kind of defined what, imp- what makes it a clickbait. Uh, and I never really thought about it before. Um, and they said articles 
that don't explain the contents of, or sorry, article headlines that don't explain the article contents. So ah. uh, you have to you reread it, and it's like five. Uh, oh, let me. It's like yeah, you'll be so shocked when you find out what he eats or what this button does, and so on and so forth. But you have no idea what the button does. You click it, and it's like it does nothing. Ha! <laughs> you click this. <laughs> you know, you're a sucker. <laughs> Go home and yeah. rethink your life. Yep. And so it's you could potentially have like even those like top five things that are best to make at a party you know i don't know that that's kind of in the middle ground i'm not sure what they would judge on those but um uh but yeah so i thought it was really interesting um how they define that and so i want to dig into that a little bit uh but first question is um did you do you all ever click on clickbait and will you be glad to see it gone uh try not to and yes <laughs> i uh I had back when it started becoming a thing and I wasn't quite uh, immunized against it. Um, mm, yes, I clicked mm -hmm. on clickbait. And then um, after a while, I discovered, wow, this is a terrible waste of my life. <laughs> and and then I stopped clicking on it. And I will not mm. be sad to see it go. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, I, w I remember whenever I first heard the word clickbait and I would... Like sometimes I would see it and I'd scroll past it and like go back up and click on it. It's like, yes, I gave in. It like it almost felt like a temptation in a sense. Yep, <laughs> it's like yep. I gave in yeah. to it. And then you got to go through this slideshow with a hundred ads loading every click just to read yep. the things. And it's yep. yeah, like you said, a waste of time. Um, every now and then I click on it and then I always regret it instantly. Like, I'm just like, oh, this, this is just not, it was never even going to be a good decision, but I just thought, oh, maybe this one will be different. You know, maybe the title is just really bad. Uh -huh. What I really di don't enjoy though, and I've seen this a few times, is um, clickbait sermon titles. Like people will post their podcast mm. of their sermon. Um, and I've seen whole sermon series where every sermon in the series is a clickbait title. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Pastors, you should not have to do that to get people to listen to your messages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I joked, I made a joke one time, like, if we got into marketing the Bible and we could just, like, put the Bible secretly into clickbaity articles, like, you won't believe these 10 things that happened to Egypt. Or, yeah. <laughs> like 31 things that make women awesome. Or, oh, man. <laughs> just Did you know that donkeys really talk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so what, what I was curious, just based off that definition, um, do you think there's anything uh, deceitful about clickbait? Um, are they in any way, you know, deceiving the people who uh, are reading their articles? Uh, as we know, like, for example, one uh, one verse I pulled out, uh, Psalms 122, is deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. And, I mean, you can find tons of things about lying and deceiving in the Bible. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, do you, do you think that this falls under the category of deceit uh, or lying? Uh, yes, I would. And mm -hmm. not only not only deceit and lying, but uh, greed, I would say as well. Like often clickbait titles tend to be paired with sites that have like uh, a slideshow of like 30 photos that have ads in between those slides and you have to like do separate page loads, you know, for, so that you, you know, the maximum 
view count for for ad tracking and all that like it's this is clearly a site just intended to get you know some extra scratch for this person mm-hmm. and the content is not very good but like they hide the thing at the very end mm-hmm. and it's uh, it just feels grody all around it's just bleh. Greg you too um yeah I mean if we're talking about like the can I say it say what well if we're talking like the buzzfeed and those types mm-hmm. of sure um, yeah you know, if we're talk- if we're talking those, then yes, I'd say I'd agree 100 percent with what Derek said. Um, if if it's if the key goal of the clickbait is is advertising, um, as in advertising revenue from getting more page views or whatever, then uh, I think yeah, that's just sort of a, I guess a sneaky way to sort of get more uh, mm. viewers. If if it's like um, if it's nothing to do with that, so if it's more of like a marketing thing, um, like if it's just flat-out marketing. So, if you're marketing a service or something and you've written an, a blog article for a company or whatever and you've given it a title that you know people will click on because it's it's a controversial area or it's a new area or it's something that people do already have lots of questions about. So, you phrase it in a certain way that will make people go, oh, I really need to know about that or that sounds interesting or whatever. Um, and you you do that in a way that might be considered clickbait. Um, you know, is is all marketing deceit? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, so, yeah. I'm not saying that all marketing is clickbait, but I think it, w- it would be possible to, to generate a clickbaity title mm. um, in order to convey a message that doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily tied to something like online advertising um, directly. Um, and so that, I don't know if I'd necessarily put that in the deceit column, but I still wouldn't necessarily want to be clicking on that stuff unless I was really, really interested. Mm-hmm. And I would say just quickly, BuzzFeed has gotten much better over the, mm. the course of its life. I, I, I don't I don't have a problem clicking on BuzzFeed articles anymore. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I get what you're, I definitely get what you're saying, Craig. There's um, you know, one closing thought on it is uh you know thinking about that verse i read specifically talks about uh both lying lips and a deceitful tongue um and we know like fake news um you know that if, especially if people are putting it out there hoping other people believe it's true you know that's flat out lying and i think pretty much I, it's really easy to understand lying um I think for me, for a long time, I struggled with, I'd never really understood what the difference between lying and deceiving, because in a way, if you're lying to someone, you're deceiving them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, is there any difference? Um, And I think maybe, uh, I agree with Craig that not all clickbait articles are uh, deceitful, but Mm -hmm. like Derek was explaining, I think some are. Uh, And just for me in my life, uh, what I kind of found um, is like, I don't want to lie. Therefore, I'm going to withhold information. I'm going to say this in a really clever way where I don't have to lie. Um, And for a long time, I was really proud of that. You know, like I would come up with some pretty clever ways to say things and get out of things. And I thought Mm -hmm. I was being awesome and not sinning, which (laughs) I know we we shouldn't be drawing that line. Like, how close can I get to sin? Uh Uh, But then one time I was just thinking about, you know, what's the difference between lying and deceiving? And I realized deceiving is making somebody believe something's true that's not actually. And when I was trying to hide something and I got them to believe I didn't do it or it wasn't my fault or something, something that wasn't true. And I got them to believe that whether or not I actually told a lie, 
I mean, that is intentional deceit. And mm-hmm. uh, I think deceit itself is uh, called out in the Bible. Um, and so that's something I struggle with. And sometimes still that brain pattern goes like, how can I get out of this without lying? And then I realized like, I'm already in the wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't think this way anymore. So I wanted to, uh, yeah, just point out that, that um, I, I just whenever I was reading this article about clickbait, um, that, that memory of you know, just kind of understanding scripture in a way came out that I feel like some clickbait articles are doing the same thing. They're not technically lying in any way, but deceiving, maybe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was mine. Cool. Well, that wraps us up for this week. If you would like to join the conversation uh, about if you, if you have any thoughts on the topics we had this week, um, feel free to hit us up in the Slack uh, at slack.techreformation.com. You can sign up there. There's also a link to actually go directly to the Slack once you've signed up. Um, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, you can you can throw some thoughts at us on Twitter at Tech Reformation as well. You can also visit our website, techreformation.com, to search for past shows and topics. Obviously, this is only the second episode of the new format. We'd love to hear what you think about the new format as well, if you've got any thoughts on that. Um, but if you want to check the backlog, there's heaps of stuff there to go and listen to. So check that out too. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. When I ain't looking back.